is Sportsnet Today with Aaron Vickers and Peter Klein on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two of Sportsnet today here on Sportsnet 960. The fan Peter Klein and Aaron Vickers with you, leading you into the long weekend. A big weekend for Canadian football fans as it is Labor Day weekend. A lot of times say weekend in one sentence, but nonetheless, it's a big weekend with uh, it closing with the Calgary Stampeders taking on the Edmonton Elks. If you missed the first hour, we discussed uh, Elias Lindholm's contract situation with Ufe Bodin, uh, as well as the NFL story heading into the 2023-24 season. While the NFL season gets set to kick off, Aaron, the CFL season is reaching its most pivotal point here this year. I was going to say, is this weekend the most important weekend of all weekends in the CFL schedule for games that are weekend games? <laughs> yeah, of all the weekends to weekend in the CFL, this weekend is the most weekendy of all weekend games, for sure. Fair enough, uh, and yes. it's going to be super simplistic to say, but this two-game set that the Calgary Stampeders have, both the Labor Day Classic and, and beyond, have to be the cliched must-wins for the Calgary Stampeders as they try to eye a playoff spot and... You can't win two without winning one. That's what I've been told my whole career is you got to get that first one before you can get that second one. And yes, Labor Day Classic is nearing us and it is going to be one that is a must have. Damn, that talk back in these headphones is super loud. Um, All right. Uh, Very pleased to be joined now down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline by uh, Stampeders reporter, uh, morning show host extraordinaire, all-around good dude, uh, Matty Rose. Uh, Two-thirds of the, this trio didn't get an F on their fantasy grades last night. Uh, Matty, how are you today? Oh, we're doing two truths and a lie. Fun. <laughs> uh, two good fantasy uh, teams in one eh is more like yeah. it. But yeah. oh, I was going for more of the uh, morning show host extraordinaire was probably the lie in there, but that's fine. We ah, can okay. move on. It's all good. <laughs> um, Isn't it good when the producers yell in your ear, though? Yeah, like, I, I, I'm... Very certain that he did not mean to, um, nor did he actually yell. But that talkback volume, uh, if, if we could get IT on that, that I think took three years off of my life. Uh, just a quick, hey, Sounds Matt's like a on. Jeff issue. Yeah, yeah. Sounds we'll, like a Jeff issue. Yeah, so that'll get fixed in about eight years. Um, the uh, I remember chatting with you a few weeks ago, going into the, the four-game stretch that the Stampeders just had, where it was uh, Toronto, BC, Winnipeg, Toronto. And I had kind of said, kind of joking, half serious, though, if they can keep it close for those four games, I think you can consider that a win. Well, they won one, kept two of them close. One of them was a little, but they they, they still kept two of them close. Um, Before we get get into Labor Day, how would you assess how the Stampeders handled this four weeks from hell that was on their schedule? It's tough because it was a really meat grinder portion of the schedule here. They were able to get that first one against Toronto at home and feel really good about everything that they did, essentially. The run game was dominant. They were able to stymie the offense for Toronto, and part of that was Chad Kelly leaving the game, but part of that was sticking to your game plan and just being better than the guys on the other side. So you get that win, you feel a little bit better about yourself, but then you go into BC and essentially you get the brakes knocked off you. The offense is no good. The defense can't get stops as the game goes on and you end up losing that one pretty handily. And all of a sudden it's right back to earth after beating the Argos who had been previously undefeated. 
Then there's the Winnipeg game, which, you know, it's close. You're in it, but at the same time, just not enough, right? And yeah. you're point shy, and you're so close to it, but you don't get the win when you really needed it. And not necessarily because you're chasing Winnipeg down. That's not going to be feasible. That's not going to happen. Winnipeg has a chance to clinch a playoff spot this weekend. But you still needed to try and make ground in kind of this second half of the CFL below the Argos, the Lions, and the Blue Bombers, that group that has the Rough Riders, the Stamps, now the Elks, and you got to throw Hamilton and Ottawa in there as, as a crossover opportunity now too. So then after that, you have this other game, you go into Toronto, feel like you play well, but in the end, you give up a special teams touchdown. Their special teams unit was all banged up by the end of the game. They had lost a whole bunch of kind of their – their core guys that play a lot of special teams for them. And as a result, they give up the kick return touchdown with about six and a half minutes to go. Despite the team being able to put up offense during the game, they can't do it in the end when they really needed it. And they lose that one too. So now you're looking at this game with Labor Day. It's Trey Ford. They've won two straight. All of a sudden the Elks aren't such a joke. And, you know, you could argue that they're playing better than the Stampeders. They've won their last two games definitely against subpar competition compared to the Stampeders, but they've won two games. And that's something the Stampeders haven't been able to say at all this season. They've won back-to-back games. I want to ask you about the Elks in a second, but I do want to go back to that four-week segment, as you mentioned. And heading into it, it felt like one in three would be a win to a degree for the Calgary Stampeders. And as you mentioned, they win that first one and then lose the remaining three. Would the mood or the vibe around the team be different had they still gone one in three, but lost week nine and then won last week in week 12? I think it would be different because it's such a, you know, you have so much time to just brood over everything in football in general, you know, playing the one game a week. You always want to get back at it after you lose. So you'd feel way better going to Labor Day if you beat the Argos in this fourth game. But I think that when it all comes down to it, like the Stampeders aren't going to tell you that winning one of four against tough opponents was a win, especially when they were that close in a couple of games. Right. So I think from the outside, we can say that and kind of as pundits and stuff like that, you know, you're watching the team from the outside and all that type of jazz. And I certainly felt the same way, but it's going to be a tough sell for the Stampeders team that still has playoffs on the mind. You know, they're not thinking that Winnipeg or, or BC are totally unbeatable. If you can get some things together and and start to put all three phases together consistently game after game, this is a team that's going to be able to win games. It's the CFL. Anybody can beat anybody. But the problem is being able to put it all together, all three phases, multiple games in a row, and we just haven't seen that from the Stampeders this season. It's been kind of bewildering. Is it too simplistic of me to just say this two-game set that starts uh, at the Labor Day Classic? They're both must-wins for the Stamps. What's your thought going into into Labor Day? Everyone we talked to this week said must-win game. Uh, I had a chance to chat with Reggie Bagleton back on Wednesday. had a chance to chat with Julian Hauser on Thursday. We'll play both those interviews in Stamps Hour tomorrow. John Bender's going to join me at noon for uh, our Saturday show. And that's exactly what they said, must-win games. Like, listen, here's the deal. If you sweep this, home and home with Edmonton or really Edmonton sweeps Calgary too. Um, you do a lot of damage as far as playoff hopes go to either group, because it's not just the fact that, you know, you're not getting the wins. It's the fact that the team that you're directly chasing for fourth place right now, or they're chasing you for fourth place, but you're both chasing the riders to five and five, five and five. 
you're kind of getting out of it. You're kind of falling a little back behind there. And we don't know what's going to happen with Hamilton and Ottawa, but no team's ever gone to the Great Cup as a crossover team either. It's not necessarily a viable way to try and win the whole damn trophy. So this is kind of it. This is make or break. Like, if you split it, okay, whatever. You can probably find a way to get the math to work. But if you'd really like to sweep these games here and get that much closer to Saskatchewan. Like, the fact that the Riders beat BC last weekend, which was a big surprise to get Saskatchewan back to 500, that was that was a big problem for both these teams that are going to be playing on Monday. Um, you need the Riders to keep losing a little bit here, but we'll see what happens. It's Labor Day, baby. Everything starts to get going in the CFL now. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see it, but that's what they say. I can feel them, though, so I can't see them, <laughs> but I can certainly feel them. Good. Excellent. Um. This is going to be super hard-hitting analysis, but if the Stampeders are going to, to take that step, sure seems like the quarterback's going to be important. Uh, Jake Mayer, um, it's been some ups and some downs. Have you seen uh, some progress at all from the, the Stampeders quarterback? I would like to say that I have. Uh, I feel like there's been several different types of games. Like Early on, there were a handful of interceptions that Jake threw that typically would end up in the end zone that really cost this club. And, and there's been a couple, that, no, I think back just a few weeks back where Stampeders gave up 25 points to the Alouettes. The defense only gave up six field goals. The only touchdown that ended up being the difference in that game was a pick six. So there's been a lot of times where the defense is held up there under the bargain, but Jake has made a mistake that has been, you know, you don't like to throw the word around, but pretty catastrophic at bad times and casually leading points. So he's limited that over his last few games. That's been big for the team. He's been able to spread the ball out. Reg Bagleton getting over 200 yards and him not being the only receiver who had a good day in that game in Toronto. That's a, a step in the right direction. Um, I just think he's starting to look a little bit more comfortable. You know, we've seen over the last few weeks, the Stampers have really tried to push the ball down the field and try and score and, and get big chunk plays like that. They've shown a much more aggressive tact in trying to get the ball into the end zone because for a while there, it felt like this team was just going to kick six field goals a game and hope the defense could hold the opposition to less than 15 points. Now they're actually scoring touchdowns. So there has been progress. He's starting to look a little bit more like the Jake Mayer that we saw last year when he was going out, he was winning games, and he was making people think, Maybe Bully by Mitchell's time in Calgary has come to an end. That was one of the things. Was It just felt like they were trying to five-yards teams to death. And on a, a CFL field, that's, that's a lot of five-yard chunks to, to try to make up. But mm -hmm. I, I do like, um, especially there was the, the Ottawa game, who admittedly, everyone does it to Ottawa. But still, it was nice to see that they could actually do it. And then uh, against the Toronto defense that I still have a lot of respect for, they, they had quite a bit of success there. It's nice to see. And I feel like that could be a way they, they attack Edmonton coming up on Monday. Yeah, Edmonton's a strange one, right? Because like they, they're not necessarily you, – you go by the defensive metrics, and this is a team who takes a lot of penalties. They give up big plays. They don't necessarily get a lot of sacks. Like There isn't necessarily something that I look at with this Edmonton defense, and I'm like, that's the way that you can get to them. Like, there's usually something. Like Back in that Ottawa game, going into it, you looked at it and you said, oh, my goodness, these guys are leading the league in – big plays given up by a significant margin. Sure enough, the Stampeders went out and used Mark and Michelle, tore the top off, and were able to get some big uh, score touchdowns. 
I could see them trying to do something similar against Edmonton. I could see them trying to use Kenyon Carey a lot. I could see them trying to spread the ball out a lot. Like, I could see them trying to attack Edmonton in a whole bunch of different ways. It just feels like right now, you know, they've had that really good run game against Toronto. They haven't necessarily had another just outstanding running game since that. Kenyon Carey's been in and out, and that's been frustrating. But he looks like he's healthy. He looks like he's good to go. And if you have him and Dujic Mills going, and you have Reggie Bagleton coming off a 200-yard game, and Martin Michelle is looking the best that he's looked since returning to the CFL, that's a lot of weapons that are going to be available to Jake Mayer. And that's not even getting to some of the kind of other guys in that receiver core that definitely deserve the time. But uh, at the same time, uh, you got to focus on the superstars here. I, I was going to, to, to ask, we, we can get to, to Kadeem Gary in a second, but how the, the offense kind of handled things in the run game um, in, in Carey's absence for the, the last few weeks? Like, the thing with Kadeem Carey is it's been so up and down, right? And that's been the frustrating part about it. He gets hurt in week one, he goes on the sixth game, the, the absence is maybe longer than I think a lot of people expected, and then he comes back, he immediately gets hurt again, he's got this quad issue, it keeps him out of another game. So, like, the thing for Kadeem is he hasn't really been able to get his feet under him, get a couple of games going, get a couple of consistent efforts going. So that'll be something that'll be fun to watch in the back half of the year here. Like, this is a guy who told us earlier in the season, back in training camp, that he wants 20 to 25 touches a game. And we've seen Kadeem Carey, when he's playing well, can average four, five, six yards a touch in the CFL over the course of a game, over the course of a year. That's a guy who's good for 100 yards of offense every single game. And if you're in Stan Peters, that's getting you that much closer to the end zone where you can kind of open up your playbook and, and try and do a whole lot more things to get the ball in the end zone. So it's been frustrating not having him, but him being able to return and, and kind of help this offense and be able to take steps forward is good. You know, they've also had some injuries to their offensive line. There were three, I think it was only three or four weeks in a row where they had the same offensive line. And then Bryce Bell got hurt with a foot injury, put on the six-game injured list. And now it's been a little bit of a, a changing of the guard at the tackle position. And the rushing yards haven't necessarily been the same. So, um, listen, the staff made the decision at the end of the uh, – during training camp, cut Derek Dennis, wanted to go with some younger guys. And they've seen a little bit of a rotation there, whether it's due to injury or to lack of quality play. Um, but they find a way to make it work. And that's the biggest thing. Like, we can talk about, you know, Kadeem Carey and DJ Mills and all their different skills and how having these two guys is outstanding. But it's football. And if you don't have an offensive line that can run block for you or pass block for you, you're not going to be able to do anything on offense. So it kind of comes back to that for me. Like the offensive line hasn't been as strong as it was in years past, but if they can get some continuity and, and really start to build on games like that Toronto game at home a few weeks back, just about a month ago, all of a sudden you're feeling really good about that run game as Kadeem Carey gets healthy and, and ready for the stretch drive here. Yeah, just for my own clarity there, Maddie, is Kadeem cleared and ready to go against Edmonton? It'll be hard to say, right? They're playing on Monday, so we don't really know as much as we typically would on a Friday, but he has practiced fully for the last two days. Um, which would bode well for his participation in Labor Day. Any other injuries to monitor ahead of Monday? Uh, some special teams, guys, is kind of the big ones. Uh, Jordan Herdman-Reed limited today with a groin issue, so that's not great. Tyson Middlemost went from a did-not-practice to a limited from Thursday to Friday, so that's good news. Both those guys are key special teamers for the Stampeders. When I talk about that last touchdown they gave up to the Argos in that loss last weekend, those are kind of the guys that you look at that would be really helpful in those type of situations. 
Keelan Thomas is another one. He hasn't practiced all week with a shoulder injury. And then uh, on the defensive line, not really starters, but they lost a couple of rotation guys in practice. Mike Moore, American, plays some outside. He hurt his foot uh, back on Wednesday, so he hasn't practiced since. And then TJ Ram kind of twisted up his knee also in practice. He's more of an interior guy and a Canadian, um, but he hasn't practiced the last couple of days either. So the biggest thing will be who are the rotation guys on this defensive line that is already without James Waters. They've got their starters. They've got Hauser. They've got Rose. They've got Wigan. They'll go with Isaac Adeyemi Berglund as the other end. But now you're losing rotation guys, and that's at a position that rotates players through more so than any other position on the field, hands down, not even close. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on as they've lost a couple of uh, backup guys. How much gas is going to be in the tank for guys like Mike Rose and Derek Wigan as the fourth quarter kind of winds down? That'll be something to keep an eye on, especially if they're going to be chasing down Trey Ford all, all freaking game. The dude is wicked fast. I, I guess we could talk about the other guys. Uh, you, you bring up Trey Ford there. He does seem to be the, uh, the the lightning rod out there in Edmonton right now as he, he has got this team to be the hottest team in the Canadian Football League in the last two games uh, with Edmonton riding a, a two-game winning streak. What have you noticed from the, the Edmonton Elks game changer over his couple of games here with the, the team? Speed, 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 speed. This guy is wicked fast. He might be one of the fastest players in the CFL. He's playing the pivot position. He's easily the fastest quarterback in the league. Just the way that when he gets outside, and he's not too big either. Like, that's the other thing about him is he's kind of slippery in that sense. There were a lot of instances where we've seen him the last couple of games have a couple hands on him, but somehow he's able to break out of it, scramble, and create some offense. Like, this is a guy who's averaging, what, 60, 70 yards on about 10 rushes a game. Stampeders were being very careful of the draw when watching kind of their first team defense do some preparation. Like, you just have to be aware of this guy. And now they've got Eugene Lewis back, who was on the sixth game for a very long time. I didn't think that helped poor Taylor Cornelius. He took a lot of that in the teeth, but that's the way she goes sometimes. You've got to work with what you've got. And now Eugene Lewis is back and becoming another weapon for Trey Ford. So that's something that's uh, become a little bit of a problem here. You know, Dylan Mitchell, one of their speedier kind of get down the field and make a play uh, receivers. He's been dealing with a head injury. I believe he was limited yesterday, so we'll see if he is able to go for this game. That would be another big weapon for Trey Ford. But the biggest thing for me is the speed and the ability to create something out of nothing because that Edmonton offensive line has not been outstanding all year long. They haven't been terrible, but there's been instances where Cornelius was getting chased for a lot of the game. And Trey Ford is a guy who can handle that just that much better given the speed that he possesses, just the raw speed, the raw athletic talent that this guy has. Like, we were all stunned when Dustin Crum started doing this for Ottawa. And then Edmonton finally decided to give Trey Ford a chance, and now it's like, Dustin Crum who? This guy who can run for 300 yards and whatever, but he still loses games? Nah, give me Trey Ford. This guy actually wins. So it's going to be interesting to see what it's like when the Stampeders try and uh, slow him down on Monday. Obviously, we're, we're not at Edmonton practice uh, day in and day out, so we don't see what they're seeing. But now that we've seen a couple of games of Trey Ford, are you surprised it took nine games into the year for them to give him a shot? Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> um, you know, this is something that our boy Justin Dunk has been banging the drum for for a long time. And sometimes I think Justin can get a little over the top with the Canadian quarterbacks. But no. This is proving to... I, hot take. Um, <laughs> but this is proving to be one of those situations where we probably should have trusted 
trusted Justin. Like, I don't know. Like, okay, here's the thing. I understand why they're playing Taylor Cornelius. It's the same reason. Well, it's not the exact same reason, but Taylor Cornelius was playing. Jake Mayer was playing. These guys were not going to get pulled because these are a couple of guys that signed long-term deals with partially guaranteed money. So these guys were going to get chances to play because you can't really cut these guys. It's going to cost you in the end, et cetera, et cetera. And not a lot of players get these type of deals in the CFL. So I thought it was important that Cornelius played well and got the team some success, but then he didn't. And it got to a point where even if you're going to pay him to be a starting quarterback and do just short down work, you just had to do it because you had this other guy here. And Trey Ford was like the third string quarterback, essentially to start the season. Um, the reports out of Edmonton were that, oh, he had lost a step compared to everything we had seen prior. And it's like, okay, but we're not really seeing anything out of him. So that's kind of strange too. Um, and now here he is, and he's lighting the world on fire. And it's one of those things that you just kind of look at and say, was Chris Jones getting kind of galaxy-brained again, like in the sense that he tries to get super creative and do all these different things? And sometimes the obvious answer is just right in front of you. We, I think as humans, we are all susceptible to doing this to ourselves a lot of time. And to me, that's what this looks like from the outside as someone who, as you mentioned, Hasn't been to an Edmonton practice all year. Uh, all right. It is a big weekend here in Calgary and across the CFL as we get ready for Labor Day with the, the main event, of course, Calgary taking on Edmonton this weekend. Uh, Matt, you mentioned that this is not the last bit of Stamps content we will have on the station. What's coming up this weekend? Yeah, we got Stamps Hour Saturday. Uh, the International Man of Mystery, Patty Dumas, has taken his vacation this week. Um, saw him yesterday. Don't know where he's at now, but that's fine. <laughs> Uh, so John Bender's going to join me for the hour tomorrow, 12 to one. We'll play a little bit of audio. Uh, we'll chat about the stance. We'll chat about the rest of the CFL. Easy peasy. No problem. And a couple of things on Labor Day too. Uh, coaches, the players have been mentioning this, the kind of communications people have mentioned this, but they want big man blacked out for Labor Day because listen, and this is, this might be a bit of a hot take voice, but the jets, the jets are awesome. The jets are incredible. I love the jets. But the Jets happen once, and then I have to scuttle in like a beetle under a rock on the beach to my post, so I don't really get to see the second flyover. It's amazing. My favorite part about Labor Day might be when they pull out the black jerseys, they got the barbed wire on the helmet, they got the gunslinger uniforms going, and that might be my absolute favorite part because it means that these guys are ready for the second half of the year, and they want everybody to wear black this weekend for the Labor Day game. So... You know, Rocky Stamps logos, but if you can, try and wear something black instead of the uh, typical red, and we'll see if we can black out McMahon this weekend. All right. Awesome stuff, Maddie. Thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll chat soon. Hey, great work this week, fellas. I didn't listen once. Have a great day. <laughs> uh, likewise. Told, uh, you, there... told you he would be the best trash talker in the league. Oh, yeah. No, that's that. I mean, look, he was just being <laughs> he was just being honest uh, about that. So, no, that's that, that's fair. And you know what? Right back at you, buddy. Uh, there, there is, there, there is, and you were even on this show sometimes, and I still just out. Uh, but yeah, thanks, buddy. Have a good one. See you, boys. Have a good weekend. You too. There is uh, Matty Rose again, intrepid Stampeders reporter, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline ahead of Labor Day weekend. Yeah, wear those black shirts, black hats, yeah. match the guys on the field, do anything you can to to support the team. It's these are, again, must-win games. We're not even just the ones saying that. The players are saying that, too. As per Matty Rose, he's pretty tuned in, I must say. 
must-win games this season. Sort of hangs in the balance of this Labor Day Classic and the back end of the home and home up in Edmonton as well. Yeah, no, going to be a massive, massive next couple of weeks for the Calgary Stampeders. We are not done breaking down Labor Day. Coming up next, Stampeders legend, I feel very safe in saying. Yes. Nick Lewis is going to be joining the program. Uh, part of the Stampeders organization. We'll talk to him about this Labor Day, some Labor Day memories of the past, and a whole lot more with one of the, the all-time greats for the Calgary Stampeders. Nick Lewis joining us next here on Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We continue to get ready for Labor Day weekend with the Stampeders taking on the Edmonton Elks. And we are joined by Calgary Stampeder royalty, Canadian Football Hall of Famer. Nick Lewis is joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Nick, thank you for taking the time today. We really appreciate it. How are you? Oh, no problem. Thanks for the invite. I'm good. I'm good. Just sitting in the office getting some work done. Oh, nice. Wow. Grinding away on a Friday. I, I, I love that. Uh, obviously, uh, a big weekend coming up for you. Uh, someone who has been in a number of these Labor Day games, I would imagine that the weather starts to turn a little bit. You're seeing that the leaves change color, that calendar flips to September. Even, even though the cleats are hung up, I would imagine there's still a, a bit of an urge to just like run over someone, given uh, how important this time of year always has been, hey? You know, it's always fun. It's always fun. You know, there's no weekends or days don't really matter. They just end in why. Uh, during the football season because you're always working either on holidays or uh, during the weekend. So uh, just seven days of of fun and joy. So uh, definitely great time. You know, this one, the season really starts, they say, and uh, we we really have to make a push and it starts uh, Monday afternoon. Yeah, it's a big one coming up here uh, against the uh, the Edmonton Elks. Uh, you're the, the receivers coach for the, the Stampeders first season in that gig. Been quite the, the first season here for you with the club um, starts out with a, uh, and still does have a, a number of young receivers in the room, but we've seen some more veteran faces kind of trickle in as we get ready for Labor Day here. I, I would imagine you're feeling pretty good about that receiver room that, that you kind of uh, lead over right now. Hey, eh? you know, we're doing, we're doing better. Um, we're, we're making some plays and um, we're, we're having our opportunities and, you know, it's kind of been like a, a merry-go-round right now is, how we're, we're continuing to lose games, so we just got to figure out how we can make more plays and how we can finish games uh, to get victories. So my my guys are, are doing really well. You know, we were, we were pretty young to start the year out, uh, even though Reggie Bagleton uh, probably has the most experience on the team. Uh, you remember he only played two years and then last year. So uh, only three years of experience, and then Mark and Michelle pretty much the same thing, both of them going back to the NFL. So, uh, just understanding that we were really young at the receiving position as far as experience, uh, but we continue to grow. You know, guys like uh, it was unfortunate Clark Barnes got hurt, but he was having a good season, and you know, uh, Luther's having a good season. So we're continuing to build on, on what we're doing and and just try to sprinkle in Tommy Lee Lewis and let him uh, share his magic with the world. It is kind of crazy to think that that Bagleton has only been here for for three years. He just feels like someone who who kind of has that that veteran experience and someone who can be relied upon uh, with this group. And like it, it seems like an automatic. All right, second and, and medium to long. Let, let's find Bagleton and, and he can help us out. But how important is he to to kind of help guide some of those young receivers that you were talking about in that room? It's big because Reggie's a pro, and you know I know that you say every every pro athlete is a pro. Uh, but not every pro athlete carries the pro approach. And he's one of the guys that takes care of his body. He's he's in early, he's lifting, he's he's making sure that he does everything to have the best uh, the best chance to be successful on the field. So that's always great to have a leader like that 
in the locker room because that rubs off on the young guys. So they're they're taking their workout seriously. Uh, they're getting any extra work that they need and getting everything they need uh, in order to be successful. Because I mean, we know in the CFL when you only have a four and a half hour practice rule, I mean you can only do so much. So it's a, you have to take it upon yourself to be able to make up that gap. And some guys need a lot more time than others. And to having a pro like Reggie uh, and even Markin is is big for. Uh, what we're trying to build here. Nick, Nick, take me back to your playing days a little bit. And for the fans, Labor Day Classic is is a marquee event. You're circling that one on the calendar. For a player, what sort of elements of a Labor Day Classic get you hyped up? You know, it's I've, I've played in it where, you know, both teams have been good. I've played in it both teams have been bad. I've played in it one team is good and the other team hadn't been so well. Um, it's all different, but that game is really like throw the records out the window um, and you know, they're going to show up to play. And it's a, it is a battle. Um, You know, just thinking back to my rookie year, you know, Joe Fleming and, and, um, you know, our offensive line, as far as uh, Jay McNeil and Jamie Crisdale and, and and Brian Clark and uh, John Grace, and then you go to the other side, and you got AJ Gass, Ingram, Mo, Lagani, Brady, and all these other guys over there. And you know Jason Tucker, and and a lot of these guys on the field. And it's like, okay, this is what it is, right? There were so many great players on the field, and the game was so intense um, because what it represents not only to where you are in the standings, but it represents so much more because it's really bragging rights in the province. You mentioned your rookie year. Are there particular performances that you've had that you remember, or do you just sort of recall more of the events and circumstance and, and the pomp around uh, a game like the uh, Labor Day Classic, whether it's the buzz in the stadium from the fans, the Jets flying over? Like, is there specific games you recall, or is it just sort of the hoopla that comes with it? Man, 2010, I remember that one pretty vividly. I think I scored two touchdowns um, in that game, and we, I think we wore the throwback jerseys that kind of looked like the 49ers. And uh, what a what a great day. What a great game that was. I believe we won 52-5. to five. Cool. Um, So it was one of those things where we came out and we played so well and we were executing and hitting on all cylinders in 2010. And, it was, you know, we, we started the season out 9-1 that year. So it was really something that we put up a big bunch of big numbers. I think we averaged around 36, 37 points a game that year. So um, we were hitting, you know, on all centers offensively, and our defense was really well uh, at the same time. And, you know, that one sticks out to me. And also uh, one of the biggest losses, uh, we got blew out in 2008. And that was one of the last losses that we had in 2008 was on Labor Day. And, you know, those always stick, stick with you because not only the Labor Day game, but back then it was Monday, Friday, and you're going up there on Friday or Thursday, a couple days later, and you got to play them again. And how some of those games came down to whoever had the ball last. You know, Fred Sampson, a good friend of mine now, and it's like seeing him make plays down the field, and then Copes makes plays and Rambo. And man, what a battle it was always to try to get W's up there for the Labor Day and the Labor Day rematch. As a player, did you like that home-and-home home setup where you play them the same team in such close proximity, and does your opinion change at all when you're a coach as opposed to a player in that setup? Well, the easiest part is you're playing the same team, right? There's very few adjustments that really can be made, uh, but you're playing the same team. And 
whenever you have a short week, when you get to play the same team, it helps a little bit in preparation because you know what you're expecting. Um, but then any little injuries that happen where um, you might be able to play in a week, but you're not ready to go four days later, those types of things really affect, you know, who's going to play. Uh, I can't I, I can't remember exactly which one it was. Uh, it might have been 2008, but um, I cracked two ribs on Labor Day, and then I ended up playing four days later with the Ooh. two cracked ribs and the torn cartilage between between there. And it was just one of those things that it was very painful. But you know, we got the victory um, at the end of the day, and uh, that's that's what it that's what it matters. That's what's on the line, and you really want to go out there and put it out there. Does the intensity ramp up when you when you have that set up where it's the same opponent in back to back weeks? Hundred percent. It's just like when you practice with the same team through training camp, and everybody starts getting mad at each other and, <laughs> and wanting to fight because you know you've just been around each other too long. Uh, so being around a team and playing them back to back in a couple of days, it, it does. Be like, man, I'm I'm tired of seeing y'all. Like, <laughs> you know. And if you lose, you even have extra motivation because you you really want to go get it back, uh, but improve that you can because that's what you look for is a split. But um, if you win the first one, then you know the other team's going to bring it on the next one, and you still have to go out and meet the um, meet the anticipation and and meet that level of competitiveness and and raise the bar. I don't want to get too far away from from uh, Labor Day, but what is that that week between, or what was that like when you guys were going there and playing on Friday? Like it would take me four years to recover from a football game, so four days is beyond what I can comprehend. What what's that week like compared to to other weeks where you have a bit more time? I mean, Tuesday was usually off, so you play Monday. Tuesday was off. Wednesday, you had like a light practice where you try to jog through some things, get some work in. Um, and then Thursday, you have a walkthrough, then you're getting on the bus and driving up, and Friday is game day. right? Uh, sometimes as a player, you think about it, it's like one of the things you don't like as much is practice. Um, that's where you have to do it, and you have to find it. But for those short weeks, it's kind of like, hey, I get to play the game, you know, and um, and understand that you have an opportunity to do it twice. Um, and like I said, when you have the rivalry in place and then you have such an intense game, it's hard to play two emotionally um, invested games back-to-back. And it's really, it really does drain you a little bit because you put so much into it, right? You put so much into it because there's so much on the line. The atmosphere is heightened. And the players know what's knows what was at stake, right? I mean, look at this year. Edmonton's coming off two straight wins. Um, we're two games behind Saskatchewan. There's three games behind Saskatchewan. So understanding the outcome of these two games is big on um, moving forward and having a chance to make the playoffs. Uh, one more before we get to uh, kind of the, the importance of, of this weekend here. Um, your time in Montreal, I, I always find it interesting around the, this time of year because like I, I grew up a CFL fan in Saskatchewan, so we had the, the Riders and the Bombers. Then I move out here, and it's you guys against Edmonton. What's Labor Day like out in Montreal? Is it all right? Yeah, let's go beat the Lions. Here we go. Is it different out, out in Montreal where there isn't that, that rivalry? It, it's just kind of the other game that kicks off the weekend? Yeah, it's, it's just another game. You don't really see it. I, I think the only two games, or the only three games is really um, are the rivalry games, which is Hamilton and Toronto, uh, Winnipeg and Sask and Calgary and Edmonton. I think whatever the other game is, no matter which one of those other three teams are playing, it's really just a formality. Um, but 
you know, there's nothing that's really built there for rivalry. Um, I mean, BC and Montreal are so far apart and so different as places. So uh, no, no real rivalry there, but it, it should be a great game. You know, BC's coming off of two losses and they're looking to get back on track and Montreal had won some games in a row and now they lost last week. So looking forward to seeing a very competitive game. And, you know, Ryan Phillips is a re- very good friend of mine. So, uh, I know he's ready to get back out there and, and see what they can do. Obviously, you know, you know the importance of these next couple of games, not just because of the rivalry, but because of, of where the standings are, are at right now. Saskatchewan in tough with a couple of games against Winnipeg. You guys are, are still within striking distance. It's been a, a rough four games given who you guys had to play. How, how do you feel like uh, the, the Stampeders are set up for these next couple of games here against the Elks? You know, one of the biggest things is, yeah, we played the – three top teams in the league is if you just look at the records of four games in a row uh we were very competitive in three of those games you know um felt like we could have beat toronto twice uh and you know we were just short uh of beating winnipeg so i I feel really good about where we are but going into games you can't just say okay we played a tough stretch of our schedule now it's going to get easier i mean this is pro football every team has a chance to win if you're not going out hitting on all cylinders uh, so I just try to let the guys know, like, if we were that good, we wouldn't be three and three and eight, right? So understand that we can be that good and we can, uh, but you have to approach it in a way to understand, like, you have to say Edmonton is the best team in this league in your mind, and you have to approach like you're going to get the best version of Edmonton that you've seen this year, and you still have to go out and beat them, right? So uh, when you're in a position we're in, we we feel like. Uh, our, our schedule kind of matches up for us, but at the same time, we have to do what we need to do to win those games. Nick, you mentioned it off the hop. This is the time of season in the CFL where the schedule really gets going. Is this a uh, home-and-home set starting with the Labor Day Classic? Is this the season-defining stretch for the Stampeders? Is that too dramatic, or is that on point? No, it's very much on point. I mean, um, you, you never know what's going to happen, and, and you don't want to depend on other people winning and losing games to uh, to put your fate in their hands, right? So we got to take care of our business, and, and we understand um, that the next five games for us is very crucial. But the only way that we can worry about game five is making sure we take care of game one, two, three, and four, right? So uh, we have these two games, then we have a bye week, then we have two more games and another bye week uh, to finish out the last three games of the season. So uh, we feel like we'll, we can get rested. Uh, we'll get some guys back off of injury. Uh, but, and, you know, every game, Jake looks better and better. And, and it's one of those things where he didn't have a lot of experience coming in. So uh, we, we feel like we, we went through our uh, bumpy road. It's still not going to be smooth selling, but uh, we feel like we can get the job done. Is that something you drill into your receivers and a team as a whole, being both a coach and a veteran guy? As you mentioned, you can't win game five before winning game one, just like this set you have with Edmonton. You can't win in Edmonton before you beat them in Calgary. So is it easier to relay the information that just worry about Monday and then you'll worry about what happens in Edmonton after the fact? That's it. You know, you you can't worry about everything else. Like, you have to take care of what's important first. And the most important thing is Monday, right? All of our energy and effort has to go to winning on Monday. And then on Tuesday, we can regroup uh, from the win, you know, uh, make sure we can heal some guys up from it and and be able to go forward from that point and look to get another win to sweep the series. But uh, 
you don't win Monday, you can't sweep the series. So that's the most important game, and uh, we have to make sure we take care of Edmonton on Monday uh, before we can look forward to uh, Edmonton rematch or uh, what's coming after that. From a scouting perspective and understanding that you're not going to necessarily tip the hand fully, but what have you seen out of Edmonton out of, of late, and what do you sort of expect to see at McMahon out of them on Monday? Well, Chris Jones is one of my favorite people. You know, I've been around him since 2008 when he was defense coordinator here in Calgary. Um, I guest coached with him in Saskatchewan in 2018. Uh, he was so gracious to <clears throat> allow me to be there to do that. <laughs> to really get my first experience coaching. Um, so um, I just know what type of competitor he is. Um, I coached with Jarrett and Marcus Howe uh, in BC. I know what they're putting together offensively over there. And, you know, they got some guys over there that, that's really motivated. They've won two games in a row. Uh, they're now starting to believe in themselves. And uh, I believe we'll see the best version of them uh, this uh, on Monday. So, I know they're going to be prepared. I know they're going to be ready to go. And anybody that knows the Chris Jones teams, uh, they're probably one of the most athletic teams on paper. Uh, but we got to make sure that we can go out there and, and get the job done. We we believe that we can, we can, you know, make enough plays to win the game. Uh, Nick, thanks for this. Re- really appreciate it. Like I said, I, I grew up in Saskatchewan, and you were just miserable to cheer against. But uh, this has been a fun convo, man. Uh, <laughs> be- best of luck this weekend. Hey, appreciate it, brother. Hope you have a good one. Yeah, you as well. There is receivers coach for the Calgary Stampeders, uh, Canadian Football Hall of Famer, and one of the all-time greats with the Calgary Stampeders, Nick Lewis, joining us down the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. Uh, it should be a, a fun one coming up here this weekend at McMahon Stadium. Am I remembering this right? Because we talked about it in the break. 165 consecutive games with at least one reception for Nick Lewis? Yeah. That's insane. Huh? <laughs> yeah. What? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, um, also uh, surpassing the 1,000-yard mark in receiving in each of his first nine seasons. Yeah. Just absurd. Yeah, he was... Insane. Like I said, uh, I, 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 have not, I, I have not hit it. Uh, I, I grew up in, in Saskatchewan. Uh, I, I bleed green and white. And long time I hated that, man. I, I, <laughs> it was not fun to, to, to have to cheer against. From a, a rough rider standpoint, I'm sure fans in Edmonton feel the, the exact same way. But you, you look at the, the, the career and how do you not appreciate everything that this man did in, in the sport? And now passing that knowledge on to the young receivers, the Sam's have, and, and some of the veterans as well. That There isn't a receiver in the league that couldn't learn something from that dude. So very clearly a pivotal set for the Calgary Stampeders. What's your feeling on the other side with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders also having that set against Winnipeg, who sits at 9-2 and two atop the West Division? Yeah, it's uh, a bit more of a challenge, I think, the next couple of games for, for Saskatchewan uh, as they go uh, up against Winnipeg. We, we had John Hodge on earlier this week, and, and he has pointed out, like, the Saskatchewan, there's just something in the air on Labor Day. I've been in Regina for for Labor Day, I, I was at uh, Taylor Field, the the old stadium, that for uh, for a Labor Day game. It, it is like nothing else. So weird things happen there, but they they are certainly in tough against a, a Blue Bombers team that really does feel like they have hit their stride. I still have questions at quarterback uh, about Saskatchewan. The receivers are, are getting healthier. I still think that this is a a really strong defense that the Riders have, but Winnipeg is just consistently so 
freaking good. So I, I think from a stamp standpoint, um, if Saskatchewan gets even a split, that would be a gigantic win for uh, for the Rough Riders. So Calgary does have an opportunity here against an Elks team. Yes, they've won a couple of games in a row, but I, I think the Stampeders have to kind of, in their mind, put them back in their place because they, they have a real opportunity, I think, to gain some ground on Saskatchewan over the next couple of weeks. I mean, yes, they've won two in a row. Hottest team in the CFL. Yeah, on based fire. on that metric. Yes. Their quarterback has emerged out of nowhere to inject new life into the organization, but they've still been outscored by almost 100 points this season. <laughs> yep. And to relay it more to Saskatchewan and Calgary, Calgary can find a way to sweep their set. Suddenly they move to five and eight. Saskatchewan manages to drop two in a row, which I don't think is necessarily out of the question no. against the team that leads the CFL with 18 points. Suddenly they're five and seven. Yeah. It's game on. And then it's it really right is this Labor Day weekend sets the tone for the rest of the season in the Canadian Football League. It, it really does. Um, and, and like sometimes that, that can become cliche, but it, it really is. When, when you look at each matchup here that this Labor Day weekend, BC, De- we, we just talked about how it doesn't seem out of the realm of possibilities that Winnipeg is going to, to sweep this back-to-back mm-hmm. with Saskatchewan. So BC has to try to keep pace with Winnipeg somehow as they are four points back now of the Bombers for top spot. And first place in the West means home field advantage in the, the West final. If I'm the Lions, I would much rather play indoors in BC in November than go outdoors in Winnipeg in November. So that that is going to be huge for them to try to keep pace. Montreal is going to be looking to separate themselves from the, the bottom half of the East Division. We've talked about what could happen uh, out here in Alberta. For Saskatchewan, if they get a split, it feels like they have a great chance to, to advance to the postseason. Toronto is just awesome. And Hamilton starting to maybe figure some things out with a win over BC. They have to try to, to close the gap on Montreal. So it, it really does feel like these next couple of weekends are really going to set things up for a, a sprint to the finish in the Canadian Football League. Well, and Nick Lewis admitted, declared as such, it is the pivotal point of the season. for the, This is the... Peter's season on the line here. This is season-defining stretch for Calgary. If you're going to have any aspirations whatsoever of making the playoffs, you have to take care of Edmonton at home and then dispose of them on the road. Yeah. Yeah, like if you, you cannot get swept in this. No, if you, oh, if that's curtains. You lose back-to-back and the season's over, right? Yeah. Like they, they won't say that, but lose back-to-back and the season is over. Split and you're kind of hanging around. If you split and Saskatchewan gets a split with Winnipeg, it becomes a bit of a challenge for sure, but you're at least still around. At least there's some back of napkin math that you can make sense right. of. Exactly. And then maybe you're, you're still hanging around for a, a crossover into the East. Although as Matt said, that does not necessarily lead to a lot of postseason success, but all the Stampeders have to do is stay within striking distance heading into that October 13th matchup, uh, Friday, the 13th at McMahon with the Saskatchewan Uprighters coming into town to, to take on Calgary. But yeah, sweep this series. You're in pretty good shape, a split and you're hanging around. Get swept, season's over. So the, the stakes are huge for the Stampeders. Again, note the start time at McMahon Stadium. It's going to be a 5 o'clock game. That, that is not the usual for a Labor Day Classic. So you got a couple of extra hours to uh, enjoy your, your beverages and um, food of choice out in the, uh, the parking lot, getting ready for what should be a monster game. Labor Day at uh, 5 o'clock at McMahon. That's going to be a rowdy, clou- a rowdy cloud. Rowdy crowd. <laughs> And also, stamps are going to be wearing black. Wear your black. Yeah. Have at her. Oh, those black jerseys are slow, so slick. That That is, 
It's going to be visually appealing anyway, but a massive weekend at McMahon Stadium. If you missed any of uh, what has turned into Labor Day hour here on the program, that's going to be available in podcasts. The Hour One podcast is up now. We talked Flames and we talked NFL. Um, Coming up here in the third hour of the show, uh, we are going to get a, a unique perspective Cirque du Soleil is in town right now, uh, so we are going to to learn all about what goes into making that. And then coming up at 4.30, the Calgary Flames have a huge decision to make with their number one center. You know, that's all. Minor, minor thing. Uh, we will discuss what that means for this team uh, now and in the future. So still a lot to get to as we head into Hour 3 of Sportsnet Today. Coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.